For decades, the Vietnam War has been a Hollywood obsession. Apocalypse Now, Platoon, Full Metal Jacket, First Blood. These were blockbuster films, embraced by audiences and critics alike. And for decades, they've helped us understand a painful war and understand each other. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Brian Raftery, and this is Do We Get to Win This Time? How Hollywood Made the Vietnam War. Listen on the Big Picture feed. This episode is presented by Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus is the membership that helps you save on things you expect, plus the things you don't, like free delivery from your store with no markups, gas savings, and even a free Paramount Plus subscription. Start your free 30-day trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus Essential Plan Only, separate registration required, $35 order minimum. See walmart.com slash plus for details. Nathan, we've got to start using Apple Cash. Uh, okay. Why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages where you and I text all the time. We do. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having, like I do when I bribe you to say nice things about my favorite Taylor Swift songs. You'll never forget a payment or have the money just sitting somewhere collecting dust. You do owe me money from the last time we saw those Taylor and Travis picks, so that is nice. (laughs) And once I've done that, you can use that cash right away. You can buy stuff at a store with Apple Pay. So I don't have to do all the bank transfer stuff then? Nope. It's just right there. It's easy, convenient, and secure. Wait, did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Every Single Album. Taylor Swift. The mayor of Santa Clara. And, and then they were like, you know, they, they also, they, they made you the mayor. That's the new title for the pod. Just for today, I'm Nora Princiati, and as always, I am here with Nathan Hubbard, who is less than a week away, correct, from seeing the Eras Tour yet again in Los Angeles. Nathan, say hello to the people. I'm going Thursday. I can't wait. I told you in a recent pod that I can never remember what year it is. I also can never remember what day it is. So you were putting together friendship bracelets, I assume with your daughters, although if you were doing it by yourself, I would have an immense amount of respect for that as well. And I got an over the weekend in my head, you were going over the weekend and I had a really busy, I'm just telling you this for the first time now, but I have a confession, which is that I spent probably 60% of my Sunday which was really busy. We were moving stuff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. No one cares. But I spent like 60% of my Sunday being like, I need to find out what Nathan's surprise songs were. I need to find out what Nathan's surprise songs were. And then I started looking it up and was like, wait, Santa Clara? That's not this weekend. So anyway, (laughs) how's it going? I'm kind of glad I didn't go Saturday. I'm kind of glad I didn't go Saturday for stay, stay, stay and all the girls you've loved before. All the girls you loved before live, I don't know, pretty good. Yeah, it's it's all pretty good, but it wasn't the best. It wasn't like somebody's favorite night ever. Although my brother was there and he said it was awesome and they had a great time. He got on a plane in Minneapolis last minute 
totally spontaneous, flew to Santa Clara. He met because his wife was there. It was their anniversary. And he took her to the show. And then he got back on a plane. And not just any plane. Sun Country. When you're f- flying <laughs> Sun Country anywhere. An airline I've only, I'm only familiar with from like random Google flights results. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. When you're trusting your existence to Sun Country, there really is a cultural phenomenon. But he had a great time. The show was awesome. And, you know, there's no complaints. We're coming up on the end of this. I can't believe that the North American dates are over in basically a week, Nora. Basically a week. Six shows in Los Angeles. I believe you're going to three of them, you lucky duck. Culminating, you're going to be there on the ninth, right? I am going to be there, yes. Well, are you expecting anything? I think we are expecting something, aren't we? Yeah, it's I am. Eight, it's nine. eight, nine. Eight, nine in Los Angeles. Come on. The bio was Taylor's version. She's cleared the decks on social media. Yes, that's a telltale sign that something's coming. I think we're going to get a 1989 announcement. It may not not come out until deeper into the fall, but I think she wants to use the stage as a platform for one last parting gift, Nora. Oh, that would be fun. I love a gift. I hope it doesn't come out while she's on stage on the 9th. And I wouldn't, I don't think it would. I hope there's some sort of lead up. The funny thing is, I feel like we've been, you know, clowning our rears off as usual about 1989 Taylor's version. Probably mostly me, but I think both of us a little bit. Yes. And the funny thing is, like, we both completely agree and have agreed for months that, like, it's coming. It's just a matter of when and it's it's soon and all of that. And yet every time there's a new Easter egg or a new sort of goalpost, I go, oh my gosh, 1989 is coming, which is the thing that I already think is true, but I'm just excited all over again. So that's what happened to me with her reverting all the socials back from Speak Now Taylor's version to all of the Midnight's photos that she'd been using. But I'm glad that you agree. And I hope that it does. I'm in a magnanimous mood today, even though I got my butt kicked last week in our draft. I hope you got incredible surprise songs and I hope you get a Speak Now Taylor's version announcement. Or a well, 1989 Taylor's version announcement. Yes, I appreciate that very much. Speaking of clowning, have you seen this ridiculous story? Not story, but fan clown rabbit hole that's been falling down over the billboards and whether she's actually doing a Broadway show and that that's the announcement that's coming? Okay, Explain this a little bit more because I've seen it and I don't fully understand the reasoning. I'm here to say it's a bunch of shit and (laughs) we should not be honoring its presence on this podcast. But it looks like Spotify took out a couple billboards to promote their era's little gimmick thing in the app that was nice and fun and that I went through and that gave you a chance to see, to rank your favorite eras and then see what your listening habits actually reflect. And it turns out that two of those billboards, one in Nashville and one in Los Angeles, were rented out on streets that are called Broadway. The third in New York was rented out in Times Square, which is basically where Broadway is. And the fourth... This where pers- all the billboards are. Well, right. And the <laughs> fair. And the fourth, this person said, was exactly 13 miles away from Broadway. <laughs> Which is where I 
really, that's where I just hopped right off the bandwagon. I was totally off the wagon on that one. She's got too much going on. Listen, it may be that she's writing and directing something, but it's going to be a film and we know that. She has no time for a Broadway show. Don't be ridiculous. Stop getting crazy. Right now, I will add as an addendum, the Taylor Swift musical is going to exist someday. And I hope it's awesome because if done well, it'll be incredible. And I look forward to it. As someone who who loves Mamma Mia and I saw that wacky ABBA hologram show a couple months ago, I'm kind of into it. I kind of want her to do it someday, but not for like many, many years. Yeah. Let's have that be the like fat Elvis chapter of the career. Like we don't need that right now. I, I don't want to get you. in the way. I don't want to get in the way of the, <laughs> of the like flow that she's got going right now. She's crushing. Let's not Broadway show is it's a lot of work. All these things are a lot of work. Let's let her be in her element, do her thing. It appears she's still running into the studio, making more songs. Don't screw this up, Nora, please for me. What did I do? How did I get involved in this? But you okay. sound like a heavy advocate for the Broadway thing. Yeah, And someday. she is a giant theater nerd, which in the best possible way. Yeah, let's just save that for the, for the late stage Elvis part of the career. In the right hands at the right time, a Taylor Swift musical would be absolutely spectacular. I'm just saying. But I mean, like a Taylor Swift carnival ride would probably be spectacular. I mean, this is a brand that can port. What's crazy about the Taylor Swift situation right now is that for all of the stances that she's taken publicly in support of artists and, you know, some of her political views and the the ways that she's used words, she hasn't actually done much of a foray into brand building herself. She's endorsed Diet Coke. She's endorsed Capital One. She's endorsed... Keds, but outside of that, there's no, you know, the last consumer product was your favorite, Wonderstruck. Other than that, there just isn't that much right now. And I think that's been a fairly conservative approach to the brand because she hasn't wanted to take too much of a risk to, to, to mess it up. And she's busy with other shit. So, you know, if she can't be CEO of the thing, it seems like that's not something that she wants to get involved in. Anyway, the point is, a Broadway show is a meaningful brand extension. You remember, U2, the first, like, chink in the U2 armor for me was that Spider-Man thing that they did the music for <laughs> that did not go well. Your silence in a crowded Okay, but that went historically badly. That was one of the most disastrous shows like ever in the history of of onstage. Then they started stuffing their album on people's iPhones without asking, and uh, shit just started flowing downhill from there. So there's a curse, Nora. There could be a Broadway curse. That U2 album, I don't remember exactly what it was that happened, but that came out, it was when I was in college and I was covering my college basketball team and they were playing at a tournament in Hawaii. And I was like doing everything I could to be the person who got to go to Hawaii to cover the tournament. But, you know, it was my college newspaper that was sending me. So talk about Sun Country Airlines or whatever it is. I had this absolutely ridiculous, like, three layover flight plan and I was by myself and it was just a weird trip, although very fun and very cool to to get to do that. But somehow, probably not related to all of the weird logistics, but it just feels wrapped up into it because the whole exercise was so chaotic. All the music off my phone got 
wiped or I got like disconnected from my iTunes account or something and it just wasn't you had downloading to listen to the YouTube or something album went wrong. over and over again on that so whole trip. So the only thing I had to listen to for like four days by myself in Hawaii was that YouTube oh, album. Oh, <laughs> boy. I still have nightmares about that. All right, enough. What I want to talk about first today is a story that I'm having a lot of fun with. And I think we can have our our first little science corner here on every single album, Summer of Taylor Swift. And I'm sure a lot of the dedicated Swifties who have been listening to this pod uh, and also following all of the stories around the tour have seen or read or heard that there was some seismic activity a couple weekends ago during the Seattle shows. It's being called the Swift Quake. And we have some updates. The scientific community has dug in, released some findings. And first of all, I took notice of this because the Beast Quake, which was something that happened during a 2010 NFC wildcard game between the Seahawks and the Saints, Part of why I took note of it is is because, you know, that's from the other part of my content universe. What happened was that Marshawn Lynch, who's a famous Seahawks running back, scored this amazing touchdown. It was a 67-yard rushing touchdown. He broke like 10 separate tackles over the course of running it down the field. And the crowd, which in Seattle, that stadium is known for being like the loudest and the most raucous. They call it the 12th man. They were so crazy that a seismic activity monitor nearby registered it as a small earthquake. Marshawn Lynch, still on his feet, has blockers now. He's dancing his way for the touchdown. And so that touchdown has been called the Beastquake touchdown. It's sort of like a famous thing in football lore. I don't mean to be mansplaining this to our listeners who know that or might be Seahawks fans or whatever. But if you're you're not into football, you might not have ever heard of that. It's a big deal. The Swift Quake was significantly bigger. And now it's a little bit different, right? Because with the Beast Quake, you're talking exclusively about crowd noise. Whereas with the Swift Quake, you're combining the noise of the concert itself with the noise that the fans are making. But there were two massive peaks and I don't want to go too far down, down the, the rabbit hole. Of, yes, you do. Well, no. So what I was going to say is I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of describing visuals on an audio medium. But seriously, go like check out some of the reporting on this because people did like, I love science. Science is so cool. You can see the readouts of how over the course of the concert, the ground was shaking. And the coolest thing is that there were there are basically five peaks that you could see. There's a great Washington Post article that has a, a, a visual, which people should go look at. There's five big peaks of activity, but the two biggest happened around 8.30 and at 10.30. One caveat is the story that I was reading was not totally clear on which night that was referring to. They said that one of the coolest things was that for the different shows where they measured it in Seattle, the patterns were basically identical 
So you could see like the swelling and the crowd going crazy over the course of the the concert. They said they came at the the two biggest came at basically the same time. If you adjusted for the fact that one of the shows started like half an hour late. Okay. So I am assuming that when they say 830 and 1030, I'm assuming they're measuring off the one that started a little bit late because it would make sense to me that the biggest one, which when you look at the readout comes right at the beginning. That's got to be her coming on stage going into Cruel Summer. Which then interested me to try to figure out where the other other biggest ones were. So do you have any guesses before I present my my theory? I have a million guesses. I think I'd like to hear your crazy-ass theory first and just make fun of that. Okay, first of all, I don't think it's crazy at all. I think it's incredibly logically sound. Well, it probably so, is. I'll tell you what I guessed initially, which was that I thought that reputation was going to have huge readouts. And I thought that in part because I sort of assumed that songs that have a ton of bass, right? You, those sort of like ground shaking feeling things. Yeah. would register really significantly. Plus, you know, coupled with how into Don't Blame Me, I think people have gotten for this tour, which is so cool. Like, I just thought that would be a huge one. I actually think that's not it, though. Because if you look at the readout, you can see where the lull forevermore And also for the surprise songs is. And so what that means is that you can a kind of... for def- the surprise songs. Because they're... In, in some because cases, it's not a big cheering time. It's not like, that people don't care about it, but it's that's a quieter moment. But for some of the surprise songs, like when she's... When people have figured out what she's doing, they've gone bananas. So they, you're right that there's like a big roar at the beginning, but, but I think enough. like and and the um, people who took the readings said this too. The thing that makes it just unbelievably impressive is how long the giant stretches of like ground shaking energy go. So the the best guess, right, is that the big spikes coincide more with like big numbers where people are really involved over a, a longer period of time. So, come on, out with it. Long story short, I think the red section is the is the big spike. I was going to say, is it all too well, or is it before that? So I think it's before. I think it's more like the 22, we are never, ever getting back The hat together. moment kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is interesting because there's another element to this where 
the Guinness record, the winning result for the the loudest crowd noise ever was not that not from the beast quake, but was also at that same field. A few years later, the the Seahawks crowd sort of made a point to do it and they registered the most decibels. I think that's how they measured it. And it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And it occurred to me that it's possible that Taylor could have topped it. If that's the case, though, you sort of have to try to figure out how much of this is coming from the actual crowd noise versus the songs and, and you know, all the heavy bass that they're using for some of them and how that's going to shake the stadium. Are we sure it wasn't the Heim sisters doing their little drum routine? Incredible. That's my Guinness Book of World Records. That's the Nora Book of World Records for just being incredible. But look, my my overworked scientific theory here is that if you try to do a close read of these peaks and you get the biggest moments, my best guesses being Cruel Summer. Love Story. The red, red section. little hard to tell whether that's we are never or 22 the hat moment whatever it is and then shake it off (laughs) stuff yeah rather than like the the big reputation stuff those are sing-alongs so to really, really overwork this, my takeaway was that a lot of that was coming from the crowd itself, which is really flipping cool. That's my all. takeaway is that most of American media is going to go into a state of catatonic shock when it no longer <laughs> has the ability to create clickbait tied to Taylor Swift. Like, what are people going to do? It is outrageous how many otherwise heretofore respectable brands and news agencies and politicians, well, maybe not respectable heretofore politicians, but people, I mean, again, like she was joking about the fact that she's the mayor of Santa Clara. Like what the <laughs> heck is she supposed to do? Have you ever been to Santa Clara? You probably have. That stadium I have. is in the middle oh. of nowhere. It's stuck between San Francisco and San Jose and Silicon Valley. Like, I don't know. I, here's the thing. I just think well, all it might have helped her because she did that. That stadium has a curfew and it yes. might have helped her because she did break it. She did break it. All these stories have become tiresome. I'm ready for people to stop slipstreaming and coattailing on Taylor Swift. I mean, I understand it. I understand, but I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready for my social feed to stop be f- filling up with like Forbes telling me some other way to say that Taylor Swift is making a lot of money or, you know, 
whatever. People just hitching the wagon to the titly. It's time to move on to some other clickbait. It's just so funny how through the course of this summer of Taylor Swift, increasingly every single print, the sports teams doing the interviews with the tiny mics on what your favorite Taylor Swift song is, right? The golfers like, come on, man. These guys didn't even know Taylor Swift before this summer. I'm over it. Somebody I know who works at a like a like a big buttoned up corporate law firm got a recruiting email that read like the subject line was lateral haze swiftly enter your new era. Oh my god. Are you ready for it? Let us help you through the lateral haze and into your next era. It's me. Hi. You're not the problem. It's the market. <laughs> Every industry in the country is I used this phrasing on a on a sports show recently. Cloud chasing on the back of Taylor Allison Swift. I yes. might feel a little differently than you. I, I find it hysterical and and a little bit delightful, but uh it is getting a, a tad over the top. Yeah. It's Everybody like, wants a piece. It's been pretty uh, exciting. It, it, yeah. It's like Thank you, Staples, for the marketing email capitalizing on Taylor <laughs> Swift. No, I don't want another printer cartridge that you've somehow linked to the fourth song on each of the last three albums. Ready to shake it off? Sale on hula hoops. It's just awful. Can I rant for a sec? Uh, yes, please, Nora. You know I love when you do. Pay apps are way too public. Uh oh, what happened? Okay, so some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history who I'm paying. Full names, it's super weird. Yeah, it is super weird. Well, how are you going to pay your friends then? I'm asking for a friend. Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes. All that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Anyway, I think we're ready. We're ready to move through this. I do... Look, Nora, these last six shows are... I think she's going to... I mean, first of all, the VIP tent's going to be bananas every night. It is going to be a parade that we have not seen since surprise, surprise, the 1989 catwalk tour. And I think, I think the amount of just 
high wattage celebrity, especially because none of these actors are doing anything. They're just sitting around all day now. So they're all just dying to come to this show. I cannot even tell you what it must be like. I have no idea, but I can imagine what it must be like right now to be the camp trying to determine who is getting into the VIP tent and who is not. It's like Adele arranging the the seating for the concert. Right. Where she put Ellen way in the back in Ellen's and like, like <laughs> was it Seth Rogen got the incredible seat? Yeah. Super stoned Seth Rogen was like, what the fuck? Why am I in the front row? I'm Why? so baked right now. Why am I here? Yeah, there's going to be some of that going on. And fortunately, she's got six nights to try to figure out. But it's not like there's 45 people who can get there. But I promise you, she's got probably 145 inquiries from people who definitely are A-list and then probably people who think they're A-list. And you know, right. so she just got to go through. This is a right. total like wedding seating thing that she's dealing with over these next six shows. So it's going to be bananas. Do you think she makes those calls or do you think like, is oh. that a Scott and Andrea who holds no, no, no. to be holding the seating chart? I am sure that they bring her a proposal and they probably show her, you know, first last 10 in last 10 out and she, <laughs> she can make some swaps and some trades, but yeah, I mean, get out of here, Leo. It's just going to be fascinating to see who's there. I mean, Gigi Hadid was just in San Francisco, right? She was yeah. in Santa Clara passing yeah. out guitar picks and running around. Why she decided to go to that show, don't know. But it's going to be crazy in Los Angeles. And the hurt feelings of some of the hoi polloi Hollywood crowd who don't get into the VIP tent, one dumbass is going to make a... You know, like, like, a, like what Travis Kelsey did last week. By the way, has anybody ever... he? Goes on his podcast, makes the funny joke about how with the friendship bracelets, he wanted to give her one with his number on it. So he shoots his shot publicly. And then two days later, he's punching guys in the face in practice. Like, way to just totally kill any momentum you might have had, buddy. He never had any momentum. There's yeah. nothing to kill. There's a 0% chance she's going to take Travis. that clown. Yeah, there's Absolutely no chance. There's the just... Owl City guy had a better shot. <laughs> he was in Santa Clara. So like everybody. No way. Yes, that was Wait, the report I got. Yes, that's what the uh, the report I got was he was in Santa Clara. Just like not in a tent, just just a civilian. I I, I I he was there is what I heard. That's all I heard. I don't know where the location was. If he was in a VIP tent, it was for the exclusive reason that that enabled someone to keep eyes on him the entire time so that he didn't <laughs> yeah. run up Security. to Taylor and tell her that she was a magical fairy princess from another land or whatever yeah. that was. Keep, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> and Adam Young of Owl City, the closest of everyone. That's incredible news. My day is made because of this. Wow. Well, Owl City guy showing up. It, it was just, it was reported to me that that happened. But who, who, listen, who knows? What I can tell you is LA is going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. And I think this is kind of her victory lap. You know, it's the last chance for the Hoi Polloi to kiss the ring. It is her breaking records in a stadium that previously the, the record held by BTS, which I think is a very intentional statement. And, and we know how much she loves records, right? 
And it's also going to be just her last time to really communicate in this way uh, to, to the American public. So I'm expecting very big things between August 3rd and August 9th. Do your girls have any surprise songs that are that are hot on the list? I mean, yes, there are... Uh, you know, there's this one song called New Romantics. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. <laughs> You know what? It's not just that New Romantics is left. I think I Know Places is left too. She could announce 1989 Taylor's version and play my two favorite songs from 1989. Yep. Yep. There's a lot. Listen, I I think we're getting Mary's song. I'm pretty sure we're getting Mary's song. I'm pretty sure we're getting I Can See You. I mean, there's some really good stuff. You Are In Love. Oh. That would be good. So here's the thing. I'm really like, I, I feel like I'm being wishy-washy on this. And I want to be honest, I will be both happy for you, but also eternally jealous if you get new romantics. The thing is, is it's not really a, it's just, it's not like an acoustic song to me. So there's also part of me that where like you're in love would be really, really cool in that setting. Yeah. So lots I, look, of interesting choices left. I, I have, I have, uh, I am hoping that Bon Iver comes out and they do eggs up. I think I've seen this film before and I didn't like the ending. I'm hoping that that's like a thing that she gets done one of those nights. It would be weird because he's probably in a cabin in Wisconsin, but (laughs) (laughs) that's... And whatever the opposite of hoping that Brendan comes out and they do me together, that's that's how I feel about... (laughs) Me. About exile. Well, I mean, if they bring me Christmas Tree Farm, I wouldn't be upset, but I I don't think she's going that route. It's not Christmas in August. We're doing a little bit of, of... And we should be celebrating this because it's a huge accomplishment and it's really exciting. And I hope that it is a sort of triumphant celebratory thing in Los Angeles, which I think yeah. it will be because she deserves it. And it's been this cool, crazy summer. And for as much as we're making fun of everybody for riding on the coattails, it's cool to see the entire world go absolutely nuts over Taylor Swift. Just, we'll just so that we acknowledge podcast. it. Tour's not over. Yeah. Tour's keeping going for quite some time. Going worldwide, gonna be really cool. Mexico City, yeah, it's still going. There's a lot more to do. How's outfit prep going? Saw you had some some friendship bracelets in the works. You know that nice T-shirt that you had made for me, or that? Yeah, I think I'm gonna wear that. Your brother really was the catalyst, but I helped. Well, you 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 participated. I think I'm gonna. We were co-conspirators. We were. We nobody no crimed it. She says. I just can't prove it. 
Yeah, yeah. Other than that, I'm not sure. I, I'm just hoping that we're gonna see some. We're gonna see some people who listen to the pod there. I think that's gonna be fun. Really, really cool. All right, that was mostly what I wanted to talk about with you today. However, before we go, I just want to spend a moment acknowledging. Haim is crushing it. Haim Talk is to just me about like this. so. Part of this I have to acknowledge is just that they're incredible at TikTok, which is they really are great at TikTok. I'm gonna be hungover. I'm gonna be hungover. I'm gonna drink a bunch of different drinks. And I'm gonna be hungover. They are so good at it, and that has become. Taylor's dad My, TikTok was pretty good. It was very good. The segue. I, I love a chameleon airdrop. But yeah, it was absolutely good. love a chameleon airdrop. And and I've been on a segue once in my life, and I found it pretty unruly. Scott Swift seems to handle that thing with 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 ease. It's very smooth. I if you're going it. stadium to stadium on a tour, there is nothing going on. You have to be on site probably at like three. They don't go on until nine. <laughs> there is nothing going on. Like you can get awesome at something as ridiculous as Segway. <laughs> you can get your when you're 10,000 hours though. Bowels of a stadium. Because for people who haven't been in the bowels of the stadium, you probably have interviewing people. Like they're not, there's nothing glamorous. It's all scaffolding and a few like rooms where maybe there's a nice little spread of food. But for the most part, it's just a big belly of concrete and steel. There's nothing to do. Well, but also like wide concrete hallways. Hallways. Yeah. Where if you, you can, were to just absolutely scoot your Scott Swift heart out. Yeah. Would be very, very tempting. Yeah. You could fly like a wingsuit through there if you really wanted to. That's the next TikTok <laughs> I want to see is Scott Swift in a wingsuit. <laughs> he just becomes coming up like from a, the SoFi roof. Guy. Yeah. Just disrupting <laughs> LAX landing traffic. He could do the next. He could he could start doing the next Taylor Lautner stunt doubles. Famously unnecessary up to this point, but anyway, I love that he's getting awesome to, to at totally level. unnecessary hobbies. It's just a great. It's a great thing. It's a classic tour move. Classic tour move. Great TikTok. You're absolutely right. Heim incredible at TikTok. So I should yeah. I sh- should say that I think some of this feeling and some of this thought is coming from that is now my dominant form of social media and like they're just so good at it. Yeah. But but watching Haim wear the bejeweled gowns to do no body no crime yeah. and just like make these ridiculous videos together do I'm going to be hungover get everybody involved in that. Haim is just crushing it. I'm going to be hungover. I just, that's like all I had to say is just, I'm so happy for them. I'm so happy they're in my life. I'm so happy that they have in a more literal sense been in Taylor's life for a really long time now. And that has been a huge source of joy for me as they have joined this West Coast Swing of the Eras tour. So just, just simply shout out Haim. I have something to say about this though. Because I agree with you that they're awesome. And if you are going to these Los Angeles shows, get there early, see it. I don't understand why they're not bigger. 
and they should be bigger. They have the songs. They have now the live act. I think their live act now is way better. I mean, I saw them play at the uh, Hollywood Bowl, yes, uh, like a year ago. And that set was so much better than when I saw them play on the, I guess it was the 1989 tour. I just think their game has upped in a big way. They have the songs. They've got, as you say, all the personality possible that translates on stage, on screen. They are not afraid to, uh, you know, they've got the right trade-off of taking themselves seriously as artists on stage, but also being able to laugh at themselves. All of the things that you want. The question for me from a business perspective is why is this not a massive arena touring act? Because it's not yet. And let's see if they get the coattail pull and the slipstream pull from doing this tour again. But I think there's something... that They they are right on the precipice of being a big-ass band. They should be a big-ass band. And I, I don't know exactly what that is. There are, you know, there's, they've been, they've gone from manager to manager on the business side of things, which okay. I, I, I don't get the, um, you know, I, I think just like a football team, sometimes you need a team there in place for a long time so it can yeah. gel for it. To, and I think when you keep changing horses, sometimes that, that has an impact, but I don't get it. Nor is there any reason that I'm missing as to why these three sisters aren't, you know, way bigger. I don't mean to like blame the patriarchy, although I sort of do. Like, I I do think part of it is girl bands are hard. Even like... Fucking Blackpink is killing it. That's different. It's different when like, it's often you need like an individual personality to kind of become Boy genius the, is killing it but phoebe bridgers is bigger than boy genius like i don't I, think is so anymore. boy genius bigger than haim i don't know if that's true like yes i think they are but negligible like i guess i could be wrong but i would group them into the same sort of strata and I think in part, it's hard when people don't know which member to latch on to, which is dumb. And the beauty of Haim and like one of the things that's just so much fun is that they're all sisters and they have a lot in common, but they they have individuality and it's just fun to see them be a trio and interact with each other and make all those funny videos and just be awesome. And you see the effect that it has on the people who spend the time to get to know them, to get to know their music, where you have people like Taylor Swift, who I know it's a little bit of a bit, but like she wants to be the fourth Heim sister. We all want to be the fourth Heim sister. I do. You do. Like it, no, I'm it, good. when you're in it, it's yeah. so obvious. The Owl City guy wants to be the fourth Heim sister. Well, of course he wants to. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he'll be like the cousin of the fourth time sister if it gets him close to the VIP tent. I guess that's that's just what I would posit as a theory yeah. is that sometimes it's hard. I think it's hard 
for a group that doesn't have an articulated front person. Maybe. I think it's all there. I think I would love to see them with... I'd love, I don't know. I, I think there's probably some business and brand stuff that could tip it over because it sure feels like all the pieces are there and they need the right, they need the right Svengali to partner with them. And I wish Taylor Swift had time because she could probably make it happen. She's doing the best she can right now. Heim rules. This has been every single album. Taylor Swift. We got one more installment of the summer of Taylor Swift coming at you guys Woo. next week. A little bit later than usual because we're going to wait for the conclusion of the LA shows and and any exciting updates that happen over the course of that run. I'm Nora Princiati. As always, he has been Nathan Hubbard. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our fabulous producer, Kaya McMullen, for all of her production work on this episode. And we'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.